minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 593 of the Pack-A-Day podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. I am a writer and editor for Packer Report. You can always follow me on Twitter at AndyHermanNFL. Have a very fun episode lined up for you today, and to help me go through a variety of topics is the one and only Bailey Burmaster. Bailey is a sports reporter for WBAY in Green Bay. You can follow her on Twitter at BayBurmTV. That's B-A-Y-B-U-R-M-T-V. This is her second appearance on the Pack-A-Day podcast, and I've invited her back even though she called me basic the last time she was on. Bailey, welcome back to the podcast, and thanks so much for joining me today. No, thank you for having me back. They, they're getting more a more dose of Bailey if they wanted it or not. Sorry about it. But I'm glad to be back. It was I had so much fun last time. And when you asked me again, I had to. I enjoyed it way too much. Well, I appreciate that. I appreciate that greatly. Uh, we certainly enjoyed it as well. And I'm certainly excited to have you on uh, to pick your brain on a variety of different topics. The last time that we had talked was all the way back in September. Uh, the Packers were coming off their first loss to the Philadelphia Eagles. They were three and one on the season, had just lost Devontae Adams to that injury. A lot has obviously happened since that point. Uh, you were covering the team all season long. You were in the locker room, in the press box. I'm just kind of curious, what were your overarching takeaways from 2019 as a whole? Oh, it's such a loaded question because there's so many ways to answer this. Because for me, it was this was a totally new experience for me, just being in the NFL, covering a team like the Packers. So it was a lot to take in. And it's totally different before I was so used to just covering things at a college level. And the NFL is just a different breed. Uh, And, you know, I think the first thing that comes to mind with how the season played out for me is I didn't take it for granted because I realized we didn't get to do what a lot of other teams get to do as, you know, going on to the NFC championship, you know, all the way through that. And just to see it all kind of progress like it did, things like that don't happen every year. And so it was a lot of fun to go through it, to see what a locker room is like, see what Monday night football is like, being on the road. It was just totally different. And I think you learn that the biggest takeaway from me from just a very broad standpoint, I guess I'll say is that, this is a very business oriented league, but the fundam- fundamentals of a team as far as talent, structure and chemistry does not change. It still plays a super vital role. And um, I think that just goes hand in hand really with the Packers chemistry this year, how I think the biggest storyline was probably what the locker room was like and how much the guys enjoyed being around each other and playing that really drove this team to be what it was. Yeah, I think that's a really astute observation. And I think if you go back to 2018, and I know you weren't here covering the team at the time, but uh, the the buzzword at the time was that Green Bay was looking for this galvanizing moment, something that was going to spark them and kind of get them on the right path. And this specific team never needed that you know galvanizing moment. They just kind of had it from day one. And I've said this multiple times on this podcast, but the number one thing that I wanted to see, it was all great. Uh, and actually, I, you and I may have talked about it because it was following the very first loss. It was it's all great to have that chemistry coming off a brand new offseason with a, a head new head coach, new offensive coordinator. Uh, you know, you had all the the free agent acquisitions and Preston and Zadarius and everyone of course knows all the names. Two top 20 20- 
How does that look when you get punched in the face and lose your first game? How does that look when you face your first adversity? And every single time they bounced back, they never lost two games in a row. And it just seemed that no matter what the situation or scenario was, Zadarius and Preston were still doing the two-person interview. Like everything stayed the same regardless of win or loss. And that was really refreshing. No, it's so funny you bring that up because I was like, I remember we talked about it a little bit. And I just remember talking to someone else about the Smiths doing this dual interview. And if you liked it or you didn't like it. And for me, I loved it. But it was what's it going to be like after a loss? And honestly, I almost liked it more because they were so honest. They would be the first ones to be like, listen, this didn't cut it. This didn't go as planned. This has got to be better. Whereas sometimes you feel like guys would be down, not want to do the dual interview. But no, I think you I think you said it perfectly right there. And I think the thing that I give Brian Gutekunst a ton of credit for is uh, the different leadership traits that he really brought into that locker room. And you go even back to the year prior, bringing in, you're bringing back Tremont Williams, who was such a leader for the defensive back group. Uh, you, of course, Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith. Just It just seems like almost every level of this team, Mercedes Lewis at tight end, he brought in a specific player that was going to be able to kind of lead by example. And it, it certainly paid dividends last year. It, it definitely didn't. Even even at the combine, Gutekunst was talking about, you know, what he's looking for now and how you find guys that really mesh in that locker room. And the word that just keeps coming to mind is he kept saying consistency. He wants consistency with the guys they bring in, whether it's on the field or off the field. So I think he's paying close, close attention to that and is hoping not to bring anything in the locker room that might be uh, – cancerous so to speak and cause any friction with what they have already so you don't think antonio brown's going to be a a packer in 2020 oh my god no and as much (laughs) as it's bryant because go pokes to join the packers i don't think that would ever happen either they're they seem to be a no drama team and i just that's a lot to take on (laughs) no it certainly is i don't see that happening in any way shape or form either i do want to go back to something else you said because i think it's really interesting maybe just for me but uh Mm -hmm. this was your first uh season you know covering the nfl team covering the green bay packers and same thing in a lot of ways for me i was in the locker room for the first time i was uh you know covering the team from the press box for the first time that that was certainly a new and unique experience for me as well what what was i don't know if hardest is the way right word but what was the biggest transition for you uh going kind of from covering college uh, and a lot of the different things that you did to covering a nfl professional franchise that's a really good question and things that come to mind is um building real genuine relationships because i feel like there's so many ways to go about it and in college these players are still amateurs and very um, raw and open and don't see the media as like this feeding frenzy that just has a narrative they want to put out. You know what I mean? And so it, it was easier to build those relationships than maybe what is it, what it is in an NFL locker room. And I don't, I obviously I can't speak to every NFL locker room, but just my experience experiences here um, so that's something that kind of stood out. It, it's a little bit harder. Everyone's a little more um, not so, you know, quick to give their immediate opinion. Everything's very thought out. Um, although you do have those ones that I mean, I some of the players I, and you probably could attest to this that I really enjoyed talking to Brian Balaga, uh, Tremont Williams. Those two are two that come to mind immediately that just always spoke their mind, were always super honest and um, really respectful in how they went about 
their business, especially when it can't when it comes to the media. So I really enjoyed talking to them. But, um, you know, it's one of the hardest parts of our jobs that I think is uh, and it's maybe downplayed a little bit is question asking. Um, when you're in college, you don't really have to find interesting ways to, you know, ask a question or beat around it. You can usually just get to the point. But when it comes to the NFL, how you phrase things is very important. But I think what's even more important is how you say it. What's your tone? I feel like the tone of how you ask questions in an NFL locker room is everything because there's a difference of, you know, let me let me come up with, a, with an example of, you know, maybe what happened on that play. You know, that's kind of it come ac- comes across as a negative uh, oh, what happened? As opposed to, what did you see when X, Y, Z? You know, you're where you're. Sure. It's very clear you're coming from a place where you're just trying to better understand. Because I think media, we like sometimes to pretend like we know everything, and we don't. And I, this is something I learned being an athlete is like, you know, I, I remember when going through the thick of it with my soccer team, you understand things that are happening and you see all parts of it and you're able to have your own perspective. But people who are not a part of it or inside of it don't get all the pieces and we're left to assume and come get our perception off of bits and pieces we hear without having the full story. So I think it's so important that when you're going through things to make sure we're stating facts and you're understanding things, but not necessarily assuming at the same time. And so I just feel like all of that goes hand in hand when not even just an NFL team, when you're dealing with with any team and just trying to better understand and learn than so far uh, force your opinions or what you think on people, maybe necessarily. Yeah, I love that answer for a variety of different reasons. I'll go back to, first of all, you talking about Brian Bulaga and Tremont Williams. Uh, I didn't get in the locker room as anywhere near as much as I would have liked to this past year, uh, just kind of conflicting priorities on a couple things. But uh, this was my first time ever being in any locker room asking any questions. And Tremont Williams and Brian Bulaga are so incredibly easy to talk to. Like, it did not matter like uh, that I was nervous or that I was asking questions for the fo- first time. Those guys were just so easy to work with and uh, so open and so just engaging that it was so easy to ask them questions and have them respond in a, a super professional but also uh, educational manner. So I appreciated both of those guys incredibly much as well. And then uh, the other thing that you mentioned was, you know, how we don't know everything and, you know, the pieces of the puzzle and trying to put them together. And that's something that I believe wholeheartedly. I, I see sometimes, uh, especially on Twitter, which is, you know, can kind of be its own <laughs> thing, but I, I see sometimes where there's uh, you know, the, the journalists and the, the, the TV people and the film people and the bloggers. And the, there's like all these different camps and, uh, and the analytics people and like all of them sometimes feel like they have the answer. And for me, like, I love all of the pieces so I can try to put that piece, you know, all of the puzzle together, at least as much as we can from the outside, because if I'm just watching tape and I just think that my uh, understanding of what I'm seeing on tape is the be all end all, like I'm so far wrong for 
not like, and if I don't, you know, hear the interviews that, you know, professionals like yourself are doing in the locker room. And if I'm not getting the stories from the journalists, uh, from the guys at the athletic and Packers news, and if I'm not getting even some of the really unique takes uh, from the blogs and all of that stuff, when you get all of it and kind of put it all together, to me, that's when you can kind of have the best story and get all of those pieces of the puzzle to put it together and kind of at least a little bit know more of what you're talking about than, like you said, uh, people on the outside, it's tough to fully understand of what's going on actually on the field and in the locker room. Well, and it's, uh, it's, and maybe this is just a life lesson, but it's so important to understand everyone has a different perspective and it's your job to, you don't have to agree with that perspective, but you have to understand it and be okay with there could be kind of two versions to a story at the end of the day. And yes, at the end of the day, you get to decide which one you feel you understand better or you agree with more. But I just think it's so possible to have so many varying, you know, storylines to one thing and to just to to be understanding and know that there there are different perspectives and you have to be open to that. Yeah, I think that's a really smart take. Uh, you know, going back to the season as a whole, of course, uh, Green Bay ended up in the NFC Championship game. Of course, we know they lost that game to the San Francisco 49ers. So this offseason is obviously trying to build upon that last season and kind of go in the right direction to try to get them back to a Super Bowl. Uh, I'm curious what you believe is the biggest need for the Packers this offseason and maybe how you would like to see them address that need. <laughs> so it's really funny because like, Everything in me wants to say they need a receiver, they need a receiver, because I love the offensive side of the game. However, I think inside linebacker is what they need to figure out as soon as possible. And I just, I think there's so many things they could do this offseason that I'm so intrigued to see how they deal with it and which direction they go. Um, as far as inside linebacker, the, the th- just the things that come to mind for me is I really liked Curtis Bolton during preseason. Obviously, he had the ACL, but I felt like he had a lot of potential. The issue with that is you can never really predict potential. Everyone wants to, but you can't. Um, and he's a young guy. I think I think at the end of the day, Oren Burks maybe hasn't shown enough production for them to say, OK, this is our guy. You know, Blake Martinez obviously is most likely not returning with the Packers. Who knows? Still possible. But I just don't know how feasible it is as far as money goes. So I would be interested to see whether, you know, that's what they go with with free agency or they draft. But I think inside linebacker is definitely the biggest need, probably. Yeah, it's interesting that you bring up Curtis Bolton, friend of the podcast. He actually joined us uh, for an episode. But uh, the thing that threw me with Curtis Bolton is I thought he had a really great preseason. I thought he was even in line for snaps uh, had he stayed healthy in the regular season. The thing that threw me, the really weird one-off decision that they made is uh, at the final cutdowns, they basically had two options. They could have just placed Curtis Bolton on IR, at least the way that I understand it. And maybe I have this wrong, but they could have just placed him on IR and uh, kept him there for the season, or they had the opportunity to release him via waivers. And then if he didn't go unclaimed, then put him back on IR at that point. And it was interesting to me that they waived him first and then gave the opportunity for other teams to claim him before putting him on IR. So that was one thing that threw me a little bit to the point where I felt like if they really thought that they had something in him, like if they really uh, thought that maybe he could be a future starter at inside linebacker, they're probably not going to allow any 
situation, you know, situation or scenario where another team could claim him, even even if it was unlikely and even though that he was going to be out for the year, that still just threw me a little bit. But I'm with you. I think he has a lot of talent, but he's obviously going to be behind the eight ball a little bit, you know, yeah. sitting out an entire season, having to come back for injury from injury. And I'm sure they're going to bring a ton of competition in at that spot as well. No, I would totally agree. So it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. You know, when I when you look at the draft, I would love to for them to draft a guy like Kenneth Murray from Oklahoma if he's still there, or you know, someone who I even covered when I was covering Texas Tech is a guy like Jordan Brooks, who's severely underrated in my opinion. Um, the team just not very good, and it's kind of like Patrick Mahomes. You're with a team that's not very good, and you get overlooked, and then look look what happens. But I also think when it comes to inside linebacker, maybe it's where they target free agency because at the end of the day, you need they're going to want someone with more experience, who's a more veteran guy who can kind of lead back there. Well, I think the the nice thing about that too is we talk about wide receiver and inside linebacker and inside linebacker, maybe not a ton of depth in the draft, but certainly a lot of depth in free agency. Green Bay's already showed uh, or rumored to have shown interest in Nick Kayakowski, Joe Schobert and Corey Littleton. So there's Mm -hmm. players there that they could potentially go out and sign to plug in that hole. And then of course, at wide receiver, it's one of the deepest wide receiver drafts ever. So they have the ability to address those positions in a variety of different ways. Speaking of that interest, and again, Nick Kayakowski, Schobert, Corey Littleton. They've also been rumored to have interest in Austin Hooper. Is there a free agent that you think does end up in Green Bay or maybe one that you would like to see end up in Green Bay? I think a majority of people would like to see Hooper end up in Green Bay. I just don't know how feasible that is either. And obviously, I think Corey Littleton would be great. But when I when I hear that name and look at that, I'm going, okay, well, he probably wants a good amount of money. I see the money signs in my eyes. And it's just how much money do the Packers have? And can they do it? You know what I mean? So it's 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 going to be an interesting couple weeks once it comes around because I want to know what they're I feel like more questions will be answered once we know what they're what actually happens. You know, right now it's all what we think, what could happen and not really reality necessarily. Yeah, and I think the CBA will help with some of that reality as well and to see if they kind of restructure any contracts, maybe extend Kenny Clark, any of those sort of moves that would happen prior to free agency that would either free up salary cap or even re-signing Brian Bulaga, whatever the case may be, yeah. uh, that could limit them in free agency or it could open them up. And I think that will tell a story as well to see you know what kind of cap, what kind of expendable cap that they have. I'm, I'm kind of of the belief that we're, not, we're obviously not going to see a free agent spending spree like last year year where he spent aggressively on four different players. I think we're going to see a very similar free agents, uh, free agency from 2018, where he had one, you know, one pretty big signing in Jimmy Graham, uh, you know, obviously making him the highest paid tight end in football at the time. Then more, a couple mid-tier signings, Tremont Williams, Muhammad Wilkerson, a couple smaller signings in Devon House and Mercedes Lewis. I think that to me seems like a potential, you know, more feasible, maybe not five, maybe it's just three guys or four guys, but I think maybe one big free agent signing, a couple smaller signings and then kind of go from there is kind of what I expect. And and just trying to put tea leaves together a little bit, you know, Corey Littleton to me, uh, and not saying that this is the person I would go after, and I'm 110% on board with you that those dollar signs flash up really quick. <laughs> and I think he's probably going to be overpaid. But that being said, uh, he seems to fit everything that Brian Gutekunst wants in a free agent and really what he kind of uh, targeted last year in free agency. Not only that, I think he fits the scheme incredibly well. And uh, I just think that, you know, him playing a ton of uh, single linebacker by himself uh, with the Rams last year really 
you know, uh, shows that he can do that and would uh, lend itself well to Mike Pettin's system in Green Bay. I, I just think you kind of look at everything all together. And then, of course, the fact that he uh, the Green Bay has uh, him rumored as their number one targeted inside linebacker. Uh, Bill Huber reported that. So I just think you start to put some of those tea leaves together. And I'm probably setting myself up to be maybe disappointed later. But I, it just seems that he could be a major target for Green Bay. No, I, I second I, all of that, all of it from I don't think, you know, this the, the free agency is going to go as it did last year. And I don't think they'll maybe get, you know, five big guys, but they'll get that one big signing and then add a couple here or there. And I think Corey would be a great addition. It, it, can they make it happen? I think is what we'll we'll figure out here coming up. Yeah, we certainly will. And we have seen, of course, that Brian Gutekunst is not uh, afraid to throw a ton of resources uh, and, and money at a position of need. Again, he did it at tight end with Jimmy Graham and Mercedes Lewis two years ago. He did it at edge rusher last year, safety guard, etc. So if he sees inside linebacker as that weakness and he's rumored already to have three inside linebackers in his sights, it would not shock me to throw some serious if he threw some serious money at that inside linebacker position. But I want to go back to that CBA just a little bit. One of a, the big things that's in that CBA, one of the big negotiating uh, hiccups, if you will, is that 17-game season. I just want to know your thoughts. Do you think this is a good idea? Is this a bad idea? Is the NFL getting greedy? There's always that safety concern. I'm wondering what your thoughts are on that. So obviously, I can only talk from my perspective here. And when I look at that, uh, the athlete perspective in me says no, no way. Um, I understand that, you know, this was kind of a compromise from owners in a way, you know, they wanted 18, but here's 17. Um, it's all about the money. And I get that this is also a business at the end of the day. Um, but as someone who was once an athlete, not even in the NFL or at, you know, a professional level, but in college, I remember hitting my senior year, four years in, and my body was tired. I was exhausted. And like, imagine what these guys put their body through for months on months and now you want to add another game where they feel as though they don't really see any benefits even though you know there's less practices padded practices all that stuff at the end of the day you know it also but I'm trying I was also trying to think of it okay from like a media standpoint as well and like how much and you can attest to this even even as the season went on was the conversation on how are these how are the Packers healthy yeah and not only that, but when you're, it's not who you're playing, it's when you play them. As far as injuries go, I mean, they yeah. face Chiefs without Patrick Mahomes. You know what I mean? It's, I just, I'm not totally crazy about it. I don't really care for it, but I know the football fans and owners want the money and they want to see more football. But at the end of the day, I just think, as far as an athlete, your body, another game with, not really another bye week. It, it's a lot. And and not to mention, I just, I, I'm not for it, I guess is what I'm saying. And I feel like sometimes when there's a lot of compromise going on as far as an athlete, you start to lose. I don't want to say the love of it, but it's almost more of a burden than it is like being enjoyable. And I don't want to say, I don't want to put that much weight on just one extra game but you never know how many injuries are going to happen and so forth on how your body, especially for guys who are getting older, you just you just never know. And I, I, I think the format is good how it is, but maybe I'm in the minority there. 
No, you're not. I actually put, well, and not that my Twitter poll is the be all end all, but I mean, it was telling when I posted it on Twitter, I posted the poll, are you for a 17 game season? And it ended up like 75%. And of course my followers are, are pretty hardcore football followers. Yeah. 75% said, no, they did not want that 17th game, which shocked, it shocked me. I thought it would be maybe 50, 50, maybe it was a little bit more in the no column. Uh, but for, uh, you know, a following that's again, hardcore football fans to say 75 yeah. to 25, you know, we don't want the 17th game. That, that was surprising to me. And certainly uh, you're not in the minority there. Uh, a couple things that you mentioned that that war on a you know, war of attrition and the injuries, it, it gets to the point where I, when I do the, the game, uh, the, the game recap on the podcast, the night of, after the game, I not only do I go over whether or not they win won or lost, I go very in depth of what it may have cost them from an injury standpoint. And last year, as you mentioned, it, they were pretty lucky. They never really had too many injuries. They had the Devonte injury, you know, Lane Taylor. There were a couple in there, but they stayed relatively healthy. But uh, it, it, there's a certain point where, like, yeah, we it's great. Green Bay got a win, but it cost them like three players for the next five weeks, or maybe a, a crucial ACL injury to somebody in the process. And it's like, oh, it's great they won, but you know, there goes one of their key players for the rest of the season. So. It absolutely becomes a war of attrition. So I think adding a, a 17th game to that is is certainly only going to hurt that. And when you want your players healthy for the playoffs, uh, that load management you know thing that we see in the NBA, that constantly becomes more of a conversation. Um, I think the other thing that really plays a part for me as well, and I will I will say I'm actually for it, even though I, I hear all of the bad ideas in my mind. Uh, I just love more football, so that's I guess my reasoning. But uh, the other thing that I you know kind of concerned about is. We already see at about like the 12, maybe 11, 12 week mark, like some of the bad teams are already pretty bad and kind of checked out. Like now we're adding another week of that where some of the bad teams are even just worse are already checked out or looking forward to next season. Like I, I think there is a point where 16 games become smart because you do have teams at least still trying against division opponents towards the end of the year and things like that. The longer it goes, the more I get concerned that these teams that are, you know, two and 14 are just going to check out for the last three weeks of the season or whatever the case may be. So uh, th that's my concern. And I, I do think there's some some very big downsides to going to 17 games as well. No, I, I think that's a great point. I didn't even think about that, but I, I totally agree with you. It kind of gets to the point where you're beaten down and it's ugly. And what's the point at this point just to be three and whatever at this point? So, no, I, I totally agree with you there. So I, I, I'm against it. And I guess I'm not in the minority minority. So that's good to find out. But I just the body is a fragile thing at the end of the day and you can only do so much as far as rehabbing, taking care of it and make sure your nutrition right before it, it needs a rest. Yeah, no, it's, it makes sense. And it certainly uh, adds more weights coming, like you said, from a former athlete. And uh, like you said, not exactly the same of a, a rigors of an NFL schedule. But even that, I, this this is as ridiculous as this sounds. I'm exhausted at the end of the year, just grading the you know game of every single season. Like I, and I'm just watching it on a screen over and over. And I'm literally exhausted to the point of like, I'm ready for the season to be done. I cannot physically imagine the wear and tear on their body of not only going through the mental film study that they do every week. And I know it's their full time job and all those things and they get paid uh, very very well to do it but it is it is a grind at 16 games it's only more of a grind at 17 games well and you know it, you what you just said makes me think about another aspect is the mental part of the game um if you don't think half of this game's a mental battle and how much time and brain power you have to put in to study film to go to meetings to dissect everything about this about your game and your opponent's game 
I know for me and my job, and I don't even get paid that much, and I am media, but I mean, there's times I definitely even have to disconnect. I I remember as an athlete, there were things I would do just to get away from soccer, just so I could have time to kind of recenter and reevaluate and get ready for the next go around. And the longer, the harder that may be possibly. Yeah, one of the things I would have liked to have seen is if they did go with the schedule, get rid of two preseason games, add the one regular season game and add another bye week. So again, they have that additional time off. They can recharge the batteries. They can recuperate their body a little bit. Uh, to me, not adding another bye week in there some point during the season, especially with the, you know, uh, the additional length of the year, to me, that would have been a better compromise if they would have gotten rid of two preseason games, added one regular season and added additional bye week. Also, that actually adds revenue for the NFL because that adds two regular season weeks to the NFL instead of just one. So to me, that would have been something that was a win all the way around. But I'm sure smarter minds than mine had a reason for not doing that. But well, and uh, that, that, that was my thought process as well. I thought that extra bye week might be a little more compromised. But I guess I guess that's we'll leave that up to them and we'll do what we do. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I did want to go back, though. You were somebody that was in the draft room with Patrick Mahomes. You covered him very closely. He, of course, won the Super Bowl this past season. I just wanted to pick your brain on what it was like watching the Super Bowl, seeing him go through that. And I guess, you know, is, do you think this is one of many to come for him? I think it's definitely one of many. It's Super surreal to be able to start your career covering an athlete. And as you begin to grow, you also see what they grow into and the type of person they become. And following Patrick's uh, career has been so much fun, even in college, to being there in draft day in Tyler, Texas, seeing him going to Kansas City, talking to Cliff about how perfect a fit Kansas City is for Pat, and to seeing it, to seeing it all play out like it has is super cool and I'm uh, honestly there's I'm I'm so happy for him and his family he has a great family as well and to just see it kind of blossom into what it has I mean I don't know if any of us could have predicted you know an MVP Super Bowl the whole 10 yards like that but man has he just torn it up and been so much fun to watch Yeah, he certainly has. And uh, just one of the really great players in the league. Uh, His arm talent is, of course, uh, just ridiculous, but it certainly seems like a good person off the field. You'd be able to speak to that better than I would. But uh, he's just a really easy guy to cheer for. Oh, oh, absolutely. And he's I mean, in my career, my very short career of dealing with athletes, he's definitely up there. He's always been super nice, always been super respectful, comes from a great family. His mom is awesome. His girlfriend's awesome. His brother's amazing. Like I can't, I can't say enough great things. Uh, there's a reason I, I, I don't really cheer or have a team in the NFL, but I do have a Patrick Mahomes bobblehead on my desk, which I don't know if I should tell, but I guess it's too late now. Um, but it, it, it's, it's, it was from his, uh, draft party and his suit and stuff. It's, it's a cool bobblehead, but it's just a reminder of, you know, just how things can start and where they can end if you put in the hard work. And I'm so happy it's worked out like it has for him and his family. 
Yeah, I don't think anyone's going to hold that against you too much. It's certainly a really cool story that you got to cover him uh, kind of throughout his college career and then through the draft and now see what he's accomplished in his career so far. Uh, Speaking of super talented players that you've gotten to cover, of course, a huge uh, portion of your job at WBAY is covering the Packers, but there's a lot going on in Wisconsin sports right now, including uh, the Badgers just winning the Big Ten championship game. The Bucs are number one in the NBA, although as we speak, I know they're struggling against the Suns a little bit. Uh, The Brewers just re-signed Christian Yell which is amazing. Giannis's max extension potentially this offseason. I'm just curious. And then, of course, you know, oh, by the way, the Packers and the offseason and everything <laughs> like that. So uh, what is your biggest story right now in Wisconsin? Maybe from the end of or maybe from when you've started, maybe to kind of looking forward up through this offseason uh, and, and kind of this Bucks and Brewer season. What's the biggest story to you in Wisconsin? <sighs> if it's right now, I'm, I'm just going to go off right now. Um, there's two that come to mind. And for some people who don't know me, I'm a big basketball girl, love basketball. I think what the Bucks are doing, honestly, we're, I think Wisconsin's almost numb to it now. Um, because it's kind of crazy what they're doing with, hopefully Giannis is okay and gets back in the next couple games. But I mean, the Bucks are so much fun to cover. The guys are great. They play so well. They're they're stupid deep. I mean, their bench is just so deep. And they have guys that just – they have great players, but together they make a really good team, and that, which makes them very hard to beat. Um, but the other the – other, so the, the Bucks is definitely one. On the other hand, I would have to say um, I got to give some love to Badger basketball because I don't think anyone would have thought that they would come away with a share of the Big Ten regular season title. <laughs> no, and not at all. It, it's really funny because I remember being on Twitter and seeing Brevin Pritzel uh, tweet out, uh, what is it, that meme where it's like, who would have thought? You know, and he it's so right. Who would have thought after the total ups and downs of this season, the departure of Kobe King and to turn it around and win these close games and come out with a share. And not only that, but uh, a number one seed in the Big Ten tournament. I mean, wow, that that's just resiliency. And it's awesome to see a program kind of stick to what they've been sticking to and hope they come out the other side and they have. I'll answer that meme with saying, not me, not me. I would not have, I would not have expected uh, the Badgers to be Big Ten champions at that time. The adversity that they overcome, uh, that was an incredible story and an incredible win, uh, even just to beat Indiana to accomplish that as well. So uh, really looking forward to watching them uh, in the Big Ten tournament. I mean, it's just crazy to think of, of that story. You've got Giannis and the Bucks doing their thing. And then, oh, by the way, you know, one of the best players in baseball just re-signed a huge extension with the Brewers. And like that just doesn't happen in Milwaukee Uh, very often. So if ever, so uh, a really good time to be a Wisconsin sports fan, a really good time uh, to be covering Wisconsin sports as well. So I'm sure there's nothing, no shortage of of stories and topics for you to discuss on the air. That's for sure, which is always helpful. Uh, but one exactly. of the, the questions in regards to that, that I asked today of with the Buck success going on, I asked, will Aaron Rodgers next championship be as either quarterback of the Packers or as part owner of the Bucks? So I'm wondering if you have a take on that. Where will his next championship come from? Do I have to answer this? You don't have to. You can play the fifth or you can say, yeah, I don't I guess you can't say both because they can't happen simultaneously, but no, uh, you, you and don't I'm have like, to answer. I like, I would like to play the fifth, but that's also not me. I'm, I'm pretty honest and, uh, 
you know, I, I might be uh, in the minority again, or people may not like my answer, but I think the next championship might have to be as owner of the Bucks. I think you're right. I mean, if you look at it, just even in the simple fact that the Bucks have the next opportunity, right? So, you know, the the Packers don't play again until potentially the Bucks hopefully win a championship anyway. So even if you want to escape, go to that way, you can say the Bucks have the better opportunity because they have the next opportunity. And we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll leave it at that. And and, and not to mention, you know, we have an idea. I well, I I know this because I got to cover the Bucks, you know, last year, but I believe this Bucks team now is better and playing better than they were last year. Um, I don't want to say at this given time because I haven't seen the score of that Suns-Bucks game. They but, lost by eight. They lost uh, by eight, yeah, so yeah, eight or nine. We're just going to keep rolling then, but uh, <laughs> they're playing great basketball. And, you know, if, 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 if I was a betting woman, I'm not. Uh, I would have to go with owner of the Bucks. Yeah, I'm with you. I think that's the I think that's the safe bet. I do think Milwaukee has a huge opportunity to win a championship this season. So that would be my answer as well. Uh, Bucks lost 140 to 131. So they did mount a little bit of a comeback, but uh, came up a little bit short without Giannis tonight. There's a ridiculous score. But uh, and when I posted that poll today, uh, quarterback of the Packers won with 58%. Again, this is a Packers account that I'm seeing this on. So owner of the Packers is 58%. Owner of the Bucks was 42%. So you're not super in the minority, but I, I think that's the right answer. I think the Bucks have at least the the, the better chance uh, sooner maybe than the Packers do. Yep. All right. So the last topic today, this is probably the most important topic that we're going to cover. Uh, <laughs> besides being a Packers related podcast, we tend to have some pretty hardcore food takes from now and again. Our Wednesday team uh, has had quite a few Oreo related hot takes on. Uh, oh, on what are podcast. those? I put an Oreo one down because Oreos are my jam. Yeah, so let me we'll start with this. What is the ideal cookie to cream ratio in your favorite and and just what's your favorite Oreo? If you don't if you eat anything other than double stuffed, you are Satan. Period. <laughs> that is that is it. If, if double stuffed is perfect. Mega stuffed and believe me, I love the stuffing part, but mega stuffed is just too much. The, if it's colored, uh, stuffed, it's just, ugh, it gets all in your teeth. It's red. We can't have that, especially we have to go on air. Double stuffed is the end all be all. I, I you know, I think there's, uh, they're, they're kind of split between regular stuffed and double stuffed. I personally, I'm a regular stuffed or just a regular Oreo guy, but I, I do yeah. love the double stuff. So I don't, I don't have a hot take between the two. I slightly like regular Oreos better, but it's. Politician has, has anyone ever told you that? I, I have not heard that. I don't think anyone. I don't think that'd be good. You do a great job of just like answering the question, but trying not to make anyone upset. But but hold on, I'm with you though in the fact that <laughs> anything other than like above double stuffed is way 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 out of bounds, and I don't need additional flavors. Like the original Oreo cookie is perfect, and again between regular stuffed and, and double stuffed, I'm good with either, but a slight preference towards regular stuffed. But I digress. Uh, we've had some other, you know, cr- pretty crazy hot takes. Uh, people know uh, my pickiness with foods. I don't like any Thanksgiving foods. Uh, yesterday I posted that Nestle Bunch of Crunch is far superior to a regular yes, Nestle and Crunch the fact bar. People were fighting you on that. Got me heated. I know. Who <laughs> doesn't? Yeah. So like, it's my go-to at any movie I go to. And like, I can't, I can't tell you the last time I saw a freaking Crunch bar or someone buy it. It's Who buys bunch- a full Crunch bar? Right. No one. 
Nobody. Nobody buys. And I, what even is more maddening is if somebody just buys like a. if you're at like the grocery store and you're like at the candy aisle and they just pick up like a plain Hershey's like you like I do not understand. Like you have all these options of all these amazing flavors and just a plain Hershey's or just a plain Hershey's with a slight crunch to it. I just I don't get it. I, I don't either. And I'm I'm very happy we agree on that. Yeah, I, I apologize that I offended you with my slight semi-politician Oreo take, but uh, we're on the same page here. But I do want to know, what is your hottest food take? What is your, like, oh. you, you believe it to be true no matter what, what is your best food take? Oh, I'm going to get crucified for this. Oh, no. It's actually like a Wisconsin angle. You're not going to say you don't like cheese curds, do you? Just wait, just wait. Let me, let me, let me start off by saying, okay, I moved to Wisconsin from Texas. Texas girl, and you hear about Wisconsin, it's cheese, beers, and brats, right? I'm going to give Wisconsin cheese. The cheese is amazing. Even though I'm lactose intolerant, I will eat all the cheese, and I've never (laughs) had any bad cheese from Wisconsin. I'm going to give Wisconsin beer, too, because even though I'm not a beer drinker, I'm going to take everyone's word for it. So then it comes down to brats. I had my first brat at a Packers game. Um, someone asked me to try it and I never tried one before and not a fan at all. I will never eat another one as long as I live. I should let you just sit and crucify yourself, but (laughs) we are actually on the same page on this one. I do not like brats either. Uh, I am, I'm not a huge, uh, pig guy in general. This is really going to, people are so going to hate me after this. I don't even like bacon. Um, so like I I do, I do like a pork chop. I like a pork chop, but that pretty much is, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 none of my food takes make sense. And I'll be the first to admit that I have like a a six year old's taste buds and I like tacos, hamburgers, pizza, and soda. And that's basically my diet. Well, so here, here's the catch of all of that. So you agree with me on my brat when it comes to cheese curds. (laughs) Oh no. Can you like make sure when you put this on Twitter, you say like, Let's not cancel Bailey. Like cancel culture is <laughs> I'll no. I'll do my best. I'll try to. I don't Otherwise, know what you take. I'll lose my job. I'll try to cover for you as best I can. Depending <laughs> cheese, on what the take is. Cheese curds are mozzarella bites, and no one can tell me anything differently. Cheese curds are mozzarella bites. Yes. But There's okay. No- I have so many questions. So first of all, <laughs> you do realize that it's it's not mozzarella cheese in the vast majority no. of Wisconsin cheese curds, right? No, but most of the. Okay, so I should say this. Everyone keeps telling me, like, everyone will take me somewhere and be like, they have the best cheese curds. They have the best cheese curds. Everyone has the best dang cheese curds, apparently. But I've never had the cold ones that, like, squeak, apparently, is, like, what I should be looking for. They're the Uh, best. I've had, I I can't find, well, I know you can get them at, like, the grocery store and stuff, but I've yet to try them. But all the ones I've tried wherever I eat and everyone's like, oh, they have good cheese curds, they taste like mozzarella sticks that are cut into little pieces okay and i think probably the biggest reason for that is just because it's 90 percent deep fried anyway which is regardless of whether it's a mozzarella cheese or any other cheese it tastes the same yeah for the most part it's going to taste the same especially like some people will serve like the the cheddar cheese curds with marinara sauce so like then you're if you're dipping it in marinara sauce then yes like the difference between like an american and a a mozzarella is it's minimal at that point so I, i can semi understand the take but you do have homework assignments uh, you do have to go out and buy uh, a regular bag of cheese curds, non-fried. Make sure this is huge. Take notes. 
Okay. Make sure that you sit them out on your counter and get them to room temperature uh, before you try them because otherwise they get cold and they get the, the consistency is all wrong and you have to have them squeaky. Okay. And, so, that's, and that's what I didn't know. I was like, do I just buy this bag and take them home and eat them? Or do I like what what do I do to get them to the consistency I need them to be at for me to eat and actually enjoy it? You got to get it to room temperature. So bring it home, get it to room temperature, let it sit out on your counter for a little while. They'll start to sweat a little bit. And then that's when you know they're ready to eat. And then you can uh, go on and, and have a much better uh, enjoyable life than I'm sure you've been having at the moment without having <laughs> cheese curds in your life. I also prefer ranch and not marinara. Oh, no. All right. We don't have time for this. I got to get you out of here. But that's any. <laughs> I am anti any white sauces outside of Alfredo sauce. So um, no ranch, no mayonnaise, no blue cheese, no uh, any white sauces. Uh, Miracle Whip, all, it's all disgusting, and I don't want anything to do with it, uh, but I will eat Alfredo sauce. Again, my takes do not make sense when it comes to food. This is just the way it is. No, because if I could, if it was socially acceptable, I would bathe in ranch. Oh, no. I oh, eat no. everything. I love it all over my wings, all over my pizza. And I've fought with people about this. People are, <laughs> we're just not going to get into that. But no, ranch. Ranch is so much, Is it needs to be on everything. And I hate blue cheese. Blue cheese is gross. Well, Bailey, I appreciate that uh, you were able to join us for your final episode on the Pack-A-Day podcast today. <laughs> uh, it was really great having you on. I, uh, your ranch takes will not stand. Uh, so this will be the final one. But uh, anything that you would like to uh, plug or any final thoughts on your way out today? You know, I just, I will say this, it's my one year mark and Green Bay's coming up and it's been so much fun. Everyone's been so welcoming. I've enjoyed it more than I ever thought I would. Covering the Packers, being part of Wisconsin, covering all the good teams. It's been a blast and hopefully um, I don't lose all my followers by saying cheese curds or mozzarella bites. I like ranch and that brats are gross and I don't drink yeah, I, I hope you don't lose any of the followers for anything outside of Loving Ranch that much. That's uh, that is a sin punishable by loss of followers. But if you for some reason are a crazy ranch person, please make sure to go out and follow Bailey at Bayburn TV. Bailey, thanks so much for joining me today. I greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me, Andy. You bet. For our listeners, make sure to listen in tomorrow as Jake and Ross will catch you up on everything that you need to know. Uh, thank you as always for listening. I always appreciate it. But until next time, go Pack Go.